You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast and our friends over at the Glebe Central Pub. Go check out the Glebe Central Pub at 779 Bank Street and tell them Locked On Senators sent you. They are your neighborhood pub in the heart of Glebe. Great people, great food, and great times. I'm joined by Jack Richardson of the Future Sickos podcast. The Ottawa Senators, I don't even want to say they showed up to this game, but they were there. They lose 7 nothing to the Colorado Avalanche. And sure, maybe you can try to spin zone this as well. It's the Stanley Cup uh, reigning champions on the road. That's a tough matchup, but... This is not the same Colorado Avalanche that they were last season, that's for sure. They just lost a game to the Chicago Blackhawks previously. So you would think the Senators would have a good chance or at least would not get outplayed to a 7-0 effort. Jack, how we feel? And I feel like every time I'm bringing you on to help me out with the postcast, you got to try to put lipstick on a pig here. I'm sorry, buddy. Hey, don't worry. That won't be happening tonight because that was just uh, that was so ugly to watch. Um, we're getting past the point this year. It feels like of them getting out or sorry, outworking teams, even though they're losing. That was kind of the identity. You know, I think this week DJ said we need to get back to our identity like three or four times in one media session. And if like that can't be it because that's ridiculous. Like we're watching them now. I, I don't know how many losses this year where just been complete blowouts. Uh, and that, that's a ridiculous one too. Like that's a game you should be up for. It's a defending Stanley cup champs. Yeah. First time you've seen them all year, you should be amped up to play that one. And that was, that was just garbage from everyone. Yep. And the Sens are coming off a win. I'll be it up against the Arizona coyotes, but still you want to get some momentum going. And it's not often the Colorado avalanche are going to have as many injuries as they have. I mean, Andreas England drew into this lineup, former Ottawa Senator, and he even got a point and a fight in this one. So that tells you where the Colorado Avalanche are at. We got to thank Sens fans in Van. Thank you for the donation. Positive Pillsy, please. I don't know how I can spin and try to be a positive Pillsy. I'm sorry uh, if you're watching in your van and uh, you're going to hear more negative than positivity because... I've been able to spin positive um, stories about this team for years. We've done over 700 episodes of one of the worst teams in the NHL. We figured out ways to be positive. But this one, Jack, I don't have many positives here. Like, we'll we'll save the little positives we do have uh, for our Sense Central standouts if we can squeeze any sort of positivity out there. But how did you feel this team started this game? Because when they started this game... Before the Avalanche scored their first goal, I didn't think that they were, you know, stuck flat-footed or sleepy or anything like that. I thought they started the game with a bit of jump. Yeah, no, I've watched a lot of Avalanche games, actually, just this year and last year, just because, you know, they're a really fun team to watch. And I thought for them, they came out sluggish, and the Sens were the better team early on, like you mentioned. Um, The shots probably didn't tell that story, but... You know, they didn't have like they didn't have that jump going. I think the Avs had a bad power play early on, like just stuff like that that kind of made me feel like the Sens might be in this one a little bit, right? Um, and then once a couple goals went in, even even after the first, I don't even want to say like the beginning of the game, because I think after the first, even you could have said, Okay, if we come out and have a good second, which they kind of did up until the the goals started pouring in against 
obviously. Um, I think I was okay with their game. It was just one of those nights where, okay, it'll just be, it won't bounce their way, but they just let it get out of hand and there's no bite. There was no bite from the team, uh, which bothered me. But yeah, I, I, would, I would agree that they, they had a good start. They looked like uh, the better team very early on. Yeah, like I didn't think this team was completely out of hand at the end of the first period down to nothing. Like, sure, the Sens are down to nothing, but the shots are 12 to 10. It's not crazy. And when you get two goals back to back like that, they were only two minutes and five seconds apart. It's going to look ugly, but I didn't think that the Sens were to be waving the white flag here. And we'll go through our scoring summary as we do on the postcast for people listening the next day that didn't uh, happen to watch the game. But when you have players like Nathan McKinnon and uh, Rantanen, it doesn't matter who's injured because McKinnon, he drops the puck off for Rantanen. Quick shot, lasers it past the screen Forsberg. And that takes us to one nothing. And then it was pretty much the next interesting play is the Colorado Avalanche. This is where I had a little nervousness thinking Shabbat is going to have one of those tough nights, Jack, because Cogliano breaks up a long Shabbat pass. Timmy can't hold on to it. He loses the puck battle. And then Newhook, like, what a shot there. He blasts that one-timer top shelf, and it's 2-0 Colorado. I don't blame Forzy on either of those goals. No, the first two goals were just screens from the defenseman that he can't really pick up, and you can't expect him to to stop that. And, like, I don't know. I mean, um, I see people in the in the chat just lighting up Shabbat a little bit, and and – he struggled, and that second goal, especially, like you know, you can you can argue that it took time after the turnover to get, uh, you know, for the forwards to get back, which yeah. which is fair. And I've I've talked a lot about it personally, just the forwards not being back checking or back checking hard enough at all all, the, all year. Um, but this one, you know, the forwards can't pass themselves the puck, like they, you know, like yeah. their job is to be up, and if it, uh, they're regrouping in the neutral zone, you're expecting your defenseman to put it on your tape. Uh, and okay. Shabbat didn't do that on the second goal, especially, and it ends up in the back of the neck because, and he's at the one screening Forsberg afterwards. So um, there were other mistakes that he made too. And that was just to me, like that's when I tweeted out, like something's wrong with him because he doesn't look like himself. Uh, earlier on, he was struggling a little bit, but to me, it looked like it was normal kind of for, for what he's were used to from him. But right now he has no confidence uh, and he's just, he's just not the player he's has been, which is saying a lot just because the player he was, wasn't even a, top five defensemen in the league he just he just he feels like he's taking a step back this year which is not good uh for the for the long-term outlook of the team yeah and you're not alone jack uh, as samuel thanks uh, for the donation really appreciate it he writes in i'm genuinely concerned about shabbat like what happened to him he's only 25 and he's getting paid and he's structured in as a guy that this team needs to rely on especially like you mentioned like when he's setting up a breakout pass, he's supposed to be the dude that's able to do that. He's supposed to be the guy that gets things started in transition. And I didn't like that pass. And I thought all over this game, the Sens were trying to force long passes. Like it seemed like that was the only way they thought they could move the puck up ice. Like no one wanted to skate it up the ice. No one was able just to make kind of give and go plays and have that work. It was just like, okay, how can we cover the most ice at the quickest time? Let's try a risky stretch pass here. And the Colorado Avalanche were all over it, it seemed. They were able to break up passes all night. And when the first two goals go in and the uh, like following sequence camera shots both show Shabbat on the ice kind of shaking his head and like looking up at the scoreboard trying to see where things went wrong, that's not a great look from your supposedly number one defenseman. So 
those goals, not great. But again, I'm not saying that uh, the Ottawa Senators are completely out of it at that point. It's a it's a tough way to start. You're on the road, but you're not completely out of it. Where I thought um, things really started going downhill is that, that second period when that third goal happens. And this one's not really a kind of beautiful shot like the other two. But again, it starts from a turnover. Brady turns it over. Uh, our Curry Lekkonen gets a breakaway. He loses it. He bumps into Forsberg and he jams away and eventually it goes in. I was on the fence whether I thought the Sens should try to challenge for goaltender interference here because it's a risky time to do it because if you get the challenge right, that that's a big momentum boost for your team. It You're stuck at 2 nothing. You're still in this game. But if you get it wrong, you're down 3 nothing, and you give one of the hottest power plays in the league with the Colorado Avalanche a chance to cook here. So... How did, how did you feel about that play? Did you think that one was uh, worthy of taking a risk with the challenge or not in this position? I didn't think so. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of faults with the Sens coaching and everything. I just, they're they're good on the um, challenges. And I think the video coach's name is Michael King. Uh, I want to say he doesn't get a lot of credit, but, I mean, they're, they're, their record in challenges is really good and for good yep. reason. I yep. think that one would have counted just because I think Sanderson – you know, I saw him coming back and like he does a great job back checking and forcing Lekkonen to make a play like he probably didn't want to make. But I think his Sanderson's force kind of bumped into him a little bit would be enough to kind of overturn it. Also, I think you could argue that Forsberg was moving on his own. There were so many factors um, and not necessarily that the minor penalty isn't worth the risk. It's just we saw it on uh, Thursday in Arizona that challenge in the first period by the coyotes was terrible right yeah like it, i don't know if it would have been one of those it probably would have been close but um i i don't think the risk was worth it and look if you're a coach and there's a lot of issues with again like i said like the the coaching staff and everything if you're a dj and you're not happy with your top guys that's a goal where the captain just turned it over at the blue line after mm-hmm. two bad plays and he ends up turning it over and it goes in the back of your net it can be a message to the boys and being like like Figure it out yourselves. Like, let's wake up. You're not playing well at all. If it was a game where they were in it, out shooting them by a mile, I would have said challenge it for sure. Um, I think when it started to get out of hand, in it, which was around then, uh, I don't, I don't hate that they didn't challenge it. Yeah, I agree. I think what what you said uh, really kind of had my attention is Anton Forsberg's momentum was kind of swaying him back into the net already. So I don't think that one would have counted. And if you're not 100% sure on a goaltender interference don't bother challenging it because even if you're 100% sure, nobody in this world knows what a uh, correct and consistent goalie interference challenge is uh, these days, unfortunately. Sens fan in van, thank you again for the donation. Jack, I'll throw this one to you. We'll have a quick discussion. What is the biggest issue with this current roster? Pick your poison here, I think. Right? Uh, <laughs> That's why I said let's keep it quick. Otherwise, we could do a whole episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go with – I'll go with depth up, up front. Uh, okay. I think the defense has been the big focus all year. But with these injuries to Joseph and Mott, the long-term ones, and then obviously Norris, so you're missing three of your top nine guys. Um they kind of have two fourth lines out there. And I think when the top guys kind of cool down a little bit, Stutzel carried them a little bit through the new year with it, with his play to bring it and Batherson were really good in December. Um, but I think with the depth gone, it's really shined, shined a light on, you know, the, the lack, lack of depth uh, on, on the bottom lines of the forwards. Now, in the system, they've got options. They've got a really good line in Belleville. And you two, you and Ross talked to uh, Troy Man. That was a great interview. He gave Thanks, some awesome yeah. insight just about all the little um, things that they have to consider in the AHL. And 
I don't hate that they're leaving them down there to get some reps because, man, I don't want to call up Ridley Gregg to a game like this where he's going to get shelled 7 nothing. What's nope. the point in that? Um, yeah. But I, I would just say lack of depth up front, and, and that's not really something you can fix. You just have to wait for people to get healthy, which is the frustrating part. Yeah, that's the thing. Like even an injury uh, injury riddled team like Colorado, like still the lack of depth that the Ottawa Senators have with these injuries is very telling. Especially five on five, when even the top guys who are healthy, that top six, uh, other than Norris being out of there, is is pretty much cooking and should be going on all cylinders. They can't get anything done on five on five or on the power play in this game. Unfortunately, let's head to the fourth goal here as. Alex Newhook really impressed me here. That's a great pick for the Colorado Avalanche as he forces himself through the middle of the ice. He does lose it, but then Rantanen gets it, and it's just a quick shot that goes through Forsberg's leg. This is one of the goals where I think Forsberg would want to have that one back. That's a tough one, especially now. The 4 nothing game, that put the icing on the cake. Like I, I didn't have a shred of hope once this goal goes in. Four is like the best lead in hockey, and three is the worst lead. Eh? Like yeah, you're not yeah. coming back from down four. Um, yeah, I mean, four. I am not blaming Forsberg. I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, Francois made a lot of saves for for the Avs, but he didn't make any crazy saves. They got nothing. It was all non high danger chances. There it wasn't feels much. like other yeah, than that two uh, on one that Brady and Timmy had early in the second. I think. Yeah, well, uh, natural stat trick gave the Ottawa Senators nine high high danger chances, but no way. I don't know. That's generous from natural. I I would like to see the clips of all nine of those. Yeah, eh? that's crazy. Okay, I mean, like maybe in the third, but you're from far away. Like I can't. I can only think of that two on one, maybe, and maybe a Pinto had a couple chances in tight, but that that might. Yeah, that's there wasn't like I can't think of more than three. Does it say how many the Avs had? Yeah, uh, let me go back to it. 14. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it, folks. So technically, I guess Forsberg had a, you know, he saved at least seven high danger chances, which is like, you can't ask for much more. Uh, yeah, and that's great. the thing. I'm not going to fully blame Forsberg in this because the first three goals, I don't think he had much of a chance on, but uh, I just think it was uh, it was tough. A couple of those goals, but what did you think? Uh, and we'll we'll head to the next goal after this. What did you think about DJ Smith's decision to leave Forsy in that game? Just have him eat all seven of those goals. Did you think at the at the fourth goal he was going to make the switch? Uh I'm honestly I'm a bit surprised he got the start. I don't know how they're okay. deeming who's starting. Uh, yeah, it is. Like, it they, is uh, kind of tough to figure out. Yeah, like that can be a, a whole other thing that we study. Like, if you're trying to run a tandem, you can't just go with whoever won last. Like, that's not going to work, right? You need to you need to get some kind of consistency where you get a guy who you know where they're they're ready. Okay, I'm playing in two days. I'm playing it. You know, and maybe they do know that if you win, you're in. Um, but that's frustrating because you know, like Talbot hasn't been terrible. Uh, but but at the same time, I don't understand. I don't hate the uh, decision to leave him in because you throw Talbot in, then they're out of whack again. And you went through yeah. this whole thing on, against Seattle last week. And we've seen that so many times, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. Not many times has the replacement guy come in and been decent, maybe one or two times, but no, I, I think it was the right decision. So, like you can't, I don't want to say it was like, it's a cop out to change the goalies, but sometimes like those guys are men, they're professionals. Sometimes you got to leave them in there and they got to eat it. You got to yeah. eat that tough loss and you got to let that sit with you. So I thought it was the right call to keep them in. Well, and and why, like, you know, there's so much about the goaltending that just doesn't, doesn't add up for me. Like if you, if you take them out and maybe the team is playing well, 
that like against Seattle, you know what I mean? Like in that scenario, Forsberg should have made some saves and the team had more jump. But if, since they didn't have jump tonight, uh, you know, if you're a DJ, you can't, you can't look to pull him because it's a wake up call. Like you've done that too much, like you said. So yeah. uh, I, I don't hate that he left him in because when it was what four nothing, they're not coming back. Like we said. So, yeah. um, and they, they hadn't shown anything to say that they were going to come back. Yeah. They were done at that point. Uh, this one was a tough one to sit on the couch and watch, but if you're looking to watch the game with friends, you could have had to our friends over at the Glebe Central Pub. It's in the heart of the Glebe. Anytime there's an Ottawa Senators game on, you know they're going to have it on the screens at the Glebe Central Pub. It's your neighborhood pub. They've got great drinks, beers, cocktails. They've got good food. I love the waffle fried nachos. That seems like an awesome choice uh, to just pick away at while you're watching the game. And if you're nursing a hangover and want to recover after a bad 7-0 loss, they got brunch too. So maybe you hit a Sunday brunch to try to recover from that one. But anyways, go check them out at 779 Bank Street and let them know that the Locked On Senders sent you. It's our friends over at the Glebe Central Pub. So the second period ends 4-0 Colorado. And uh, at this point... No hope once again, but it, the Colorado Avalanche just start clowning the Ottawa Senators at this point. Like this, this must have been awesome to be an Avs fan at this game because it's four nothing, and then McKinnon pulls off a amazing no look spin pass at the blue line, and he hits Lekkinen in stride all alone on the tape, and then Lekkinen doesn't even try a move or anything. He knows he's just surprised everyone so well. He just does a quick backhand, and it beats Forsberg five five hole to make it five nothing what what do you think of that play jack like at that point i'm just like this team can do anything they want to out on the ice like mckinnon's just making it look good lekkinen doesn't even have to try to pull a move he's all alone well that was a that was a goal where i kind of threw my arms up and i'm like like what else <laughs> what else could go wrong here because that was again shabbat on the penalty kill because zub had gone down yeah uh, and didn't return for the third so i don't know what's mm-hmm. up with that but um Shabbat was on the penalty kill, which he doesn't usually do. And I don't know if he was confused about the systems they run, but he kind of went over the board to Rodriguez, even though he was the last defenseman back and it would have been a two-on-one if Rodriguez got the puck. He starts floating to Rodriguez, no-look pass from McKinnon. Uh, and I really I like the move from Lekkinen. It was a nice play because, you know, you're alone in front. You're expecting – as a goalie, you're probably expecting the guy to take a little bit of time and set up. Yep. Uh, but the quick shot five hole on the back end, I love five hole goals. Uh, those are always really satisfying to watch. Yeah, I love them too. But uh, as a goalie, that's a, those are tough ones to give up. But I, I agree with you. I think if he tries a move forwards, he just goes for an aggressive poke check and might get him because he's he's yeah. coming into the net in stride so fast. So that was the right play by Lekkinen. And it seems like the Colorado Avalanche were uh, doing right plays left, right, and center. And Here's where Sens abroad, Andreas Anglin, former second-round pick of the Sens. He goes D to D with Hunt for a nice pass, the one-timer. This was another one I thought Forzy wants back. It's a one-timer from Brad Hunt. I didn't see too much screens in front. I don't think it got deflected. That makes it 6 nothing. Yeah, and at this point, it's uncle. You, you got you to gotta just say mercy if you're the Sens, and they, they wanted that clock to run as much as they could. Uh I can't even. I'm not even gonna lie. I can't really remember that sixth one. Uh, I think I remember one, two, three, uh, five, and seven against. I don't. Like, I don't blame strange. you for yeah. knocking that one out of your memory there, Jack. Because yeah. uh, it doesn't get any better. As this one really pissed me off because oh. it's a D zone draw. 
The Sens win the draw. Sanderson can't control it behind the net. The puck bobbles out in front, and again, it's Alex Newhook. What an incredible shot. He snipes that top shelf off the back bar and out in an instant so quickly. I'm pretty sure the refs called no goal on the ice. Like They didn't even see it go in and out like that, and I knew it was a goal right away. And you know it's a goal when the player celebrates usually – the players know they've got an eye for that, and Newhook's not going to let a goal he scores go unnoticed, uh, even if it makes it a 7 nothing goal. Just another great play from uh, Newfoundland's own Alex Newhook. When's the last time you saw a review with under two minutes to go in a 6 nothing game for the team that just scored to make it 7 nothing? Like, And I felt like it took too long, too. It's just like, just... Man, just put us out of our misery here. Like, let's move on. Like, it was it was the most ridiculous review I've I've seen. I feel like, and obviously, they it matters. And I'm not I'm not dispelling that you need the to get the goal and whatever. There's a lot on the line, especially now with the with betting and everything. It's important, but I I I I was just like, are you kidding me? Like this is like this is the most insulting loss I think the Sens have had in a long, long time. It's up there. It's bad. Yeah. Like, at least run the clock while you're doing the right. Review, right, yeah, Jack? Like, yeah. like, do us that favor at least. Yeah. So you're killing time off this game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that one makes it 7 nothing. And now what's meant to be a fun part of the postcast and a spot, uh, spot where we can spotlight some great players and talk about how good guys are improving and this team's really gelling. We're not going to get that tonight, but we will try to give a Sen Central standout here. Jack, as the guest on the show, I will graciously hand it over to you first. Do you have anyone to give some positive feedback to? I do, I do. I really liked Jake Sanderson's game tonight. You mentioned the turnover just on that seventh goal, but like, who cares? It's 7 nothing at that point. Yeah, uh, and it's not like, it wasn't really cleanly on his stick. It was kind no, of uh, it was a tough play. To get, so, and yeah. it, it kind of, I'll, I'll touch on it later, but I think they got outcoached ridiculously tonight just like Colorado read every single play the Sens had. Uh, so I think that was part of it. So anyway, I really like Sanderson tonight. I think in third, especially when they're down four, five, nothing, he's, he's jumping up in the rush. I think he had like a couple breaks, like not breakaways, but he was, he was in tight there. Uh, he had his legs going and look, we've mentioned Thomas Shabbat uh, struggling. It's been met with, you know, I could, it could be wrong. Maybe Shabbat isn't struggling and he's just playing the same and just hasn't really elevated his game. But Jake Sanderson being on the scene, it's just we're watching someone do what we need Shabbat to do every night. So uh, I tweeted out in the middle of the second they, they, the ice time disparity. Um, Sanderson was leading. I think Shabbat took the lead. I haven't really taken a look at it since, and I'm pretty sure it, I'm sure it ended up pretty even just because they weren't really in the game. But uh, I, I really like Sanderson and the way he played tonight in a game that no one else, I don't think, played a really good game top or f- start to finish. Sorry. Yeah, so uh, if you're curious about the ice times here, Jack, Thomas Shabbat, 23-13, Jake Sanderson, 23-42. So he did end up playing more in the long run, 30 seconds more. But I agree with you. When Thomas Shabbat's not playing well, someone's got to step up. These these aren't, um, you know, the senators of the past couple of years where Thomas Shabbat is literally the only guy. And if he's out, like Thomas Shabbat, a couple of years uh, for the last three years, he could be the worst defenseman on the team. This team could be getting destroyed. He's still playing 27 minutes a night because you have no other options. And with Sanderson coming into the fold, at least he can kind of uh, help supplant some of those tough minutes if Shabbat's not feeling it. Yeah, and that's the thing. And It's not even 
it's what he's doing defensively. His battling defensively is really fun to watch, and it's easy to cheer for, obviously. Um, and then offensively, it'll come. Like I think if you yep. studied kind of Sanderson's development, you know, his first year at the program, he he was not a very good offensive player, and then he he kind of uh, took off in the second half of the year. Then the Sens draft him. North Dakota, his first season, plays well, but not necessarily an offensive stud. The second year. Although he didn't play very much just with COVID and injury, he was, I think, over a point per game as a defenseman in the NCAA, which is ridiculous to, to think about. Uh, and then this year, you know, he had a, a bit of a stretch, I think, when Shabbat went out uh, with an injury. Uh, he, had, he was really good offensively. And then he kind of cooled off, but he, he's just – he's been steady Eddie, uh, I think. And, and I'm, I'm in, a, in a really bad game, I think this was arguably probably one of his best, <laughs> to be honest, mm-hmm. like that I can remember, like just uh, start to finish for Sanderson. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, he he's not an offensive juggernaut, Jack, but with 16 points in 41 games, you're on pace for 32 points as a rookie defenseman. I'll take that. In second in second slot of ice time, right? He's not getting handed like you look at like Moritz Sider last year in Detroit. He was the number one guy. Uh, you know, there's no one else ahead of him. So yeah. you can't really compare him offensively to a guy like that. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's that's a solid production uh for for jake sanderson yeah not bad uh all right for my sin central standout uh like uh, this is this is just like looking at a couple nice stats i didn't think he was really a game changer or anything but in a seven nothing loss you got to try to grab for something here i'll go with uh veteran 35 year old claude Giroux. i mean he had five shots he was a dash one. Every You noted uh, before we started, Jack, every single Ottawa senator was a minus in plus minus. So a dash one, I guess, isn't terrible. That's that's what we're where we're at at this point. But you guys know in the postcast, I like to shout out guys that have good nights in the faceoff dot. Claude Giroux, 80%, 12 for 15 in the dot. Uh, so... That's where you want at least a veteran to be winning these face-offs so you have the chance with the puck so you can have possession and try to get something going. So as a stretch, as a reach of a pick, I'll go with Claude Giroux here. I I like this game. What what do you think of the new top six? It's been a few games now or two games, I guess, uh, with with that kind of configurement. What do you think of uh, the new local lines? I mean, it's interesting, and when you have such good players like this in your top six, I'm not going to get the pitchforks and uh, torch torches out for line changes because uh, I think any combination could work potentially. There's so many different uh, skill sets that these guys have that could work well together. But I was at a point where I know it was either the uh, Brady, Timmy, and Drew line was clicking or – the Batherson, Pinto, and DeBrinket line was clicking. Like it was very rare that both those lines were clicking. And I think people were saying when one line was working, the other one wasn't. Okay, you got to get that other line going, mix it up, and then vice versa. I'm almost of the mind, just go back to how it was because one of those lines was clicking at, at some point of time there. So I wouldn't mind going back to, uh, having having it uh, Brady, Timmy, Giroux as the top line there. Yeah, me too. And I was going to mention just the Pinto, Batherson, Giroux line was good tonight. I think they were the best yeah, they were line. Yeah. Mostly, like, obviously, the bar's on the floor for this kind of game. But uh, I think Giroux just kind of makes every line he's on better. So having having that option of, you know, I don't know if I like to bring it and Kachuk together yet. I haven't really 
had enough time. Yeah. And the Arizona's tough. You know, one more game in St. Louis, which Kachuk should be fired up for. It's his hometown, Big right? Uh, so, so we'll see how they do there. Because I thought Kachuk and Debrinket actually both of them. I thought they had some heavy legs tonight. Um, and and it's hard to analyze in a game like this. I think it was always we talk about that in the earlier years of the rebuild when they were getting shelled like this and they had no one it's kind of hard to evaluate your talent, right? I think any minor hockey coach or anything will tell you when you're at a game for a tryout and tryout season, it's impossible to analyze your team in a seven, nothing game either way. Like if you win seven, nothing or you lose, you can't identify who's good and bad because it's seven, nothing. So I don't know if it's, it's fair to kind of pinpoint even Shabbat be like, look, you're bad. You're, you're, you know, it's the whole body of work. So uh, I'd give, I'd give the new lines like two or three more games, um, just to see what they can do, uh, because they need some even strength offense. It's getting ridiculous at this point. Like a couple thirtieth in the league in even strength goals, Jack thirtieth. You know what's funny? Colorado was thirty first coming into tonight, and I don't think that's the case anymore. They had six Not. even strength goals tonight. Oh, it's it's just I don't know what you do. Like other than I mean, obviously, coach is the easy, quick fix, whatever. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon with ownership pending. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what uh, this team can do until they start getting guys healthy. I'm not going to call for too drastic of moves here. Cause I think they just need to wallow in this downtime yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, an- another donation from sense fans in van. Thank you very much. I I'm just realizing the probably sends fans in van doesn't mean they're living in a van down the river. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's what, that's what I was getting at earlier. <laughs> I think van is short for Vancouver. So uh, yeah. that's a tough one on me. That's a bit of a uh, Ross moment with ben, Mr. Ben Dover. Uh, hey, they, from past, <laughs> if you guys remember that one. Hey, they could be, they could be in a van in van though. Like a double, that's true. And that's meter. a trendy thing to do in Vancouver. Have a, yeah. have a souped up yeah. van. Cause uh, rent prices are just, <laughs> the roof here so maybe it's a double double entendre here but nonetheless we appreciate the donations and uh jack we'll end with this one because this is a good discussion here with the bottom six being so kind of replacement level and you mentioned it it's like this team has two fourth lines here does locked on senators and jack richardson want sharkalov called up here what is your thoughts on that yeah i mean why not? Uh, I don't know when the AHL All Star Game is, but uh, February fifth in Laval. Yeah, you get tons of time. I think. I think the Avs had a guy who's. I think Hunt is the AHL nomination for them for the oh, okay. All Star yeah. Game. I think the broadcast mentioned that. So why not? Like, just give him a look. Um, and I know Troy Mann discussed a lot, and like he, he, I like when he answers stuff about you know Thompson and JBD. He's not quick. He's not. He's not a fan, which is which is in in a like he's the coach. He's like. Yeah, they're good. They just need to work on this. I love that about them. Um, so I can see why it's advantageous to keep them down there. And it was interesting when he noted that when Chartier and Lucini were called up, they had to have a discussion with him, just be like, look, like you haven't been good enough. And yeah. I think after that, the product speaks for itself. He's had a great run. Um, I would be worried a little bit about just kind of stranding or, uh, Greg and Lodin because that line seems to have found a lot of good chemistry Stranded. recently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it would probably have to be a mass call-up. I'd want all three up. I don't know about you, but I, I have liked Sokolov's game recently, uh, obviously, and uh, I think a full year down there could do him some good. Yeah, definitely. I I hate to do this, but I'm going Pillsy preaches patience on this one because – 
like Troy Mann said, the points are there, sure. And Igor's game has really bumped up since the Chartier and Lucini call-ups. I think that kind of lit a fire up under his ass. But I just think he's best served playing top six time in Belleville, getting top power play. Because unless you're going to put Igor with skilled line mates in a third line role where he's going to have a chance to click offensively, I don't think he's going to succeed. And if you're going to bring him up, you need to set him up for success. You need to put him in a position where he can thrive. And no offense, but being put on a line with Gambrell and and Watson, that's not going to cut it for a guy like Igor. And I don't think it's going to do him any well. So I would rather have him stay down there because, look, if the Ottawa Senators were so close to a wild card spot, then you know what? Maybe you're just like, Screw development. I'm putting the guys who we think are the best players here. We got a chance to stay in this race. Like if they're three points out or something, we need guys that can score goals. Hell yeah. Call them up. Get that going. But unfortunately, they're not in that position. I believe the Philadelphia Flyers have now passed the Ottawa Senators in the standings, which, yeah, that's a tough one, Jack. So I don't think there's a rush to call them up here. But you know what? Also, if they do call them up, I'm not going to be upset either because Igor, this is a guy that puts the work in. He listens to the coaching staff. He's a great teammate to have. He already has eight NHL games under his belt, so it's not like this would be a whole new experience for him. So if they decide to call him up, cool. But in my personal opinion, I think he's better suited to stay in Belleville and and keep dominating. I think that's a good point because you're putting him on the third line right now, which what would be Lucini and Gambrell. Uh, there, those bottom two lines, they were getting praised so much this week from DJ. Um, and I don't hate that. Like stick up for your guys, right? They aren't yeah, the fan fine. favorites. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get bent out of shape about it. He's going to do what he's going to do. Um, you know, and he's kind of, I think when Watson had a media session too, and said like, we're playing our game, dump and chase hockey that got a reaction too. And I don't think that they're, they're, a group that bottom nine anyway which is essentially the rotating guys the rotating cast from the fourth line i don't think they were they're suited for the you know possession game i think they're a i think they're instructed to dump it in and chase it because they're good at four checking um and b i just think that you know if the coach is telling you to do that obviously you're going to do it so and then you again i'm going back to your interview with troy mann he said they like to have their players carry the puck in okay well you throw sokolov with gambrell and uh and Lucini, they're not going to be carrying the puck in every time. And Sokolov's not a dump and chase kind of player. So you have to put him in a position to succeed. You're, I agree. And I think until you can have a third line, because he's not going to be in the top six in Ottawa, no. as long as the brink gets here, you need to have a third line that's structured around the possession game like the top two ones are. Uh, and I don't even know if Mott and Joseph is that. Maybe Joseph. I'm not really sure. Um, but I think that's a, that's a good point. Just kind of preach the patience. Pillsy preaching the patience. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying, but uh, it's tough to be patient in these days. Like, I think just to kind of wrap a bow on that, I think if you had an opportunity where Mott and Joseph are healthy and you get a third line of Igor, Pinto and Joseph, that can work. That's a place where uh, Igor Sokolov can succeed. He's got guys like Joseph that can skate a little faster, bring the puck up. He's got guys that have ability to score when they have the puck on their stick and Pinto because Sokolov's not just a sniper now. He's racking up the assists and setting up guys like Ridley Gregg, like Victor Lodine. And then you get Mott on the fourth line there. I think that's an ideal situation and that can work, but that's not where this team is at, unfortunately, with injuries. So let him stay in Belleville. 
let him go to the all-star game and then maybe at trade deadline uh if you think there's a stretch where you can get him in a good spot to succeed then maybe bring him up but also i kind of want igor down there too because belleville has two playoff games in franchise history yeah i would like this team to get some success and those guys this franchise to experience what it's like to play in the playoffs to get a little motivation to stay hungry so it's not the worst thing if because uh, Belleville's in a playoff position or at least close to it right now. So I wouldn't mind seeing that team have some success. I agree. And, and you know, I'm thinking next year, right, when Sokolov might be making a push and Ridley Gregg, yep. the same thing. They're probably going to be battling for a spot on that third line when you think about Definitely. it. Right? You're going to have yep. Pinto, Mott probably won't be back. He's on a one-year deal. So you got Joseph in that slot with his contract, right? So that's probably in, in the advantage I, I would say would go to Sokolov because he's older and uh, he's actually a winger. So I don't, I don't know what's going what's gonna to unfold. I'd like to see them up. I'm not going to hate it if they call them up, uh, obviously, because this is brutal. It can't get worse than what we just watched. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what, what happens. Yeah, and we'll have to see what happens in the Ottawa Senators' next game. Like you mentioned, Jack, that's going to be in St. Louis. Brady Kachuk's old stomping grounds. And you know there's a lot of uh, hockey kind of community. A lot of NHL guys stay in St. Louis, so there's a big hockey buzz there. And the Blues are a team that they've got a great roster, but they've been struggling this year as well. So, the Sens weren't able to kind of kick a Colorado Avalanche team while they were down. Hopefully, they can do that with the St. Louis Blues here. Jack, thanks so much for joining me in uh, in our second game postcast where the Sens were shut out. I can't thank you enough for uh, still showing up. But you guys know the Locked On Senators podcast. We always got a po- postcast. Whether the Sens lose, win, Whatever happens, we're going to put on a show for you guys. We can all get together and uh, misery loves company. So thank you so much to the people that showed up. The chat was electric. Can't thank you guys enough for the donations. So for myself, for Jack Richardson, this has been another version of the Locked On Senators postcast presented by the Glebe Central Pub. Thank you so much for watching and we will see you with a new episode of the Locked On Senators podcast on Monday.